Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. We have finally made it to the third and final hour of today's program. And in this hour, two conversations on the B side of this hour. The CEO of the black-owned and operated Lindustry joins us live in studio for a conversation about the success of Lindustry in its mission to provide financial assistance to help level the playing field for small businesses. Look forward to uh, uh, Lindustry CEO Everett Sands joining us live in studio on the backside of this hour. We commenced this final hour today, though, in conversation uh, about the following. A federal grand jury has begun deliberations in the seditious conspiracy trial for members of the Proud Boys for their actions surrounding the January 6th Capitol riot and insurrection. Former U.S. Attorney Barbara McQuaid is back uh, to unpack this case for us and shed some light on it. Uh, we've been spending so much time talking about Donald Trump, which we'll do again with Barbara uh, and his uh, unfolding um, uh, legal battles. Uh, we spent so much time talking about him of late that uh, it seems that people have you know, not really kept their eye on the ball with, with regard to this Proud Boys uh, case and trial and the role that they played, of course, in the uh, riot and insurrection of January 6th. And so I thought I would take just a few minutes uh, uh, in this hour to update you on that, to make sure we're on the same page and keeping our eye on that drama. Barbara McQuaid, as always, good to have you back on this program. How are you? Oh, thank you, Tavis. I'm uh, doing very well. Thanks. Great to be with you. I'm delighted to have you on. Let me just remind you that uh, uh, Professor McQuaid, Barbara McQuaid, Attorney McQuaid, served as a U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, appointed by then-President Barack Obama. She was the first woman to serve in her position, and once again, glad to have her back on this program. Uh, let me just pass the mic to you and uh, shut up and let you explain uh, what we have uh, not been following, as it were. It, it's been in the news uh, but again, it's been overshadowed. I, I've, I've said every hour of our program today, well, I've not said, our guests have said, I've concurred. Uh, for those of us in this business, this has been a very, very busy news week. So much news this week. Tucker Carlson uh, being fired at Fox News, Don Lemon being fired at CNN, President Biden announcing his reelection campaign, the death of the iconic Harry Belafonte. So much going on. That's just a few things. So much going on in this particular week um, that I, I feel like most of us have not focused on this particular case because we're all watching Donald Trump's uh, legal challenges. So, Barbara McQuay, take some time and explain to me uh, what we uh, have not uh, been paying as much attention to perhaps as we should. I agree with you. And, you know, I think in some ways this is the new normal. We have so much news going on all the time that sometimes it's hard to keep track of things that are important. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons that this case has kind of dropped off the radar screen a little bit is that it's been going on for a very long time. The trial started in January. So it's been a very lengthy period of time. And, you know, the very first few days of trial, it got some coverage, and then it has kind of receded to the back burner a little bit. But now it needs to come to the front burner because the jury is deliberating, and I imagine they will have a verdict sometime soon, maybe this week, maybe next week. But this is a very, very serious case. Uh, you know, These men, the Proud Boys, have been charged with the crime of seditious conspiracy, which is defined as using force to uh, oppose the authority of the United States government. So not only did they interfere with the counting of the vote on January 6th, they tried to use force to stop it. It's among the most serious crimes we have in our federal statutes. It's really the only thing a person can be charged with uh, along the lines of treason during peace times. We saw a group of Oath Keepers already convicted. You know, it's another one of these paramilitary groups uh, in two separate trials earlier. But, you know, that doesn't give us any promise that this one will turn out the same way. Every case is based on its own facts. And 
different jury, different lawyers, different arguments. So uh, I don't know how this one will come out, but it's certainly an important case and one that I think everyone has their eyes on, because even though this doesn't really relate specifically directly to Donald Trump, I think a conviction for seditious conspiracy will give the prosecutors looking at the Trump case some confidence that jurors are willing to accept these theories, that someone really was so disloyal to the United States and had such audacity as to try to prevent the peaceful uh, transition of presidential power, uh, that that can happen, I think, is an important message, and that jurors are willing to hold people accountable for that is also an important message. A few questions in that regard then, Barbara. Thank you for that update uh, on what's been happening here that, again, we've not been so focused on. Question number one, um, broadly speaking, I know you could spend hours doing this, but broadly speaking, what has the evidence in this case shown? What do we know from the evidence uh, in, you know, in, 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 mm-hmm. in, in basic? Yeah, so we've got a group of men who are on trial for being kind of the leadership of this group of Proud Boys. Now, you know, the Proud Boys, they say, is a, 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 a social club. They like together and talk about their guns, and they like to get together and drink, and all of that may be true. But a particular leader in the group named Enrique Terrio formed another one that he called the Ministry of Defense. And he wanted to have a group that was specially trained to engage in violence to be able to act as a private army. And they, the way the prosecutor has described it is they perceive themselves to be Donald Trump's army. Mm. And on January 6th, while other people were going toward the ellipse to hear his speech, this group went directly to the Capitol to try to breach the buildings so that others could follow them inside and that they could stop that certification of the vote. And so that's what uh, this group is specifically uh, being charged with, and the evidence is that they used physical force. One of the men is one that we've seen. There's a clip of him where he seized a police officer's riot shield and used it to break a window and enter the building and allow others to come in behind him. Uh, there are videos of one of the men using pepper spray on a police officer. So these are men who are trained for, prepared for, and engaged in combat against those Capitol police officers to get inside the building in an effort to stop that vote from occurring. And in some ways, they were successful. I mean, they it was delayed because the members of Congress decided to come back long after midnight to cast their votes. But they successfully drove Congress out of the building, which is, you know, really deeply disturbing. And so the evidence to me appears quite strong. They've got text messages talking about, you know, 1776, baby, and we did this mm. uh, in, in their text messages to each other. Um, many of them are captured on video showing them engaging in these activities. And so um, I think the one challenge that the prosecution may have is that the sheer length of the trial, it went on for such a long time, mm. sometimes makes it difficult for a jury to kind of follow a plot. Mm. You know those long movies that we watch? Sure. You know, like Godfather, like <laughs> Hour 3, like, is that the same guy from the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Because it, so it can be, you know, over six, what are we at now, month four, over four months, it can be difficult. So that's a prosecutor's challenge is to bring it all together in closing argument and, and remind the jurors of all the evidence that they saw and how that supports uh, conviction on, on the, the, the charges in the indictment. So when we come forward here in just a moment, I want to, to ask Barbara McQuaid um, three questions in this regard. I got other things I want to talk about. Um, I, let me just preface it by saying this or asking this. Uh, I assume that there are three options here, as there most often are uh, uh, in, in, our, in our system of jurisprudence here. There is a, there's an opportunity for a guilty verdict, not guilty. Is there, is, there, is there such a thing as a hung jury in this case? There is, yeah. So, you know, you have to be, in a criminal case, unanimous, either to convict or to acquit. Right. And so if there's a split, 
then that would be a hung jury. And even one juror can, sure, can sure. hang it. Got it. Just want to make sure I was clear on how this works in the mm-hmm. grand jury yep. arena. So now we know there's guilty, there's not guilty, there's hung jury. When we come forward, I want to ask Barbara McQuaid what message it will send to the country if uh, it's guilty, if it's not guilty, if it's hung. What message after this long trial, after all that we've seen, all that we've heard, all the footage, the January 6th subcommittee hearings, uh, and now these proud boys on trial. If it's guilty, if it's not guilty, if it's hung, a hung jury, what message uh, does either of those, uh, any of those three, send to the nation? We'll get her answer to that. And then i got to get her take since she's here today on the fact that Donald Trump, of course, has lost his fight, uh, loses his appeal to block his uh, former vice president. Mike Pence from testifying about their direct communications. You heard Bob McQuaid say a moment ago that these proud boys are trying to stop the certification of the vote. Well, Mike Pence uh, was at the center of that, obviously, uh, in the Senate that day uh, for this certification. And now Donald Trump has lost his fight uh, to prohibit, to stop Mike Pence from testifying before another grand jury. We'll get Barbara McQuaid's thoughts on that as well when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We're glad to have you here on KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest in this hour, uh, in this first half hour, uh, Barbara McQuaid, uh, former U.S. attorney appointed by President Barack Obama uh, to serve as U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Michigan. Uh, a federal grand jury, in case you've just tuned in, has begun deliberations now in the seditious conspiracy trial for members of the Proud Boys for their actions uh, connected to the January 6th Capitol riot and insurrection. And we're getting Barbara McQuaid's uh, insights on to what it means and where we are in this process. So the grand jury, as I said, now deliberating. Uh, and I want to ask uh, Barbara to her thoughts on, on the one of three outcomes will be uh, obviously uh, coming forth in the, in the days ahead. Uh, they'll either be found guilty, they'll be found not guilty, or there'll be a hung jury. Let me take them one at a time, Barbara. Uh, to your mind, what message does it send to the country after all that we've watched and witnessed and endured and waited for if these Proud Boys are found guilty of seditious conspiracy? Well, from my perspective, a guilty verdict would mean that it's not okay for members of the public to try to take the law into their own hands and to engage in violence to try to engineer the result they wanted. When we decide who's president in this country, we do it based on the votes they get counted and that's the person who becomes president. And if it's not our favored candidate, then we campaign harder the next time. So I think that's a really important message. If um, there's a not, not guilty, yes, not guilty. Yeah, please, you go ahead. Not guilty, yes. Yeah. So if there's a not guilty verdict, I really worry about what message that sends. And you know, it really could be for lots of reasons. Just the jury didn't like the evidence, or this particular jury uh, was bothered by what they saw as overreach, or whatever it is. But I think that if they're found not guilty. We will see Donald Trump and his supporters and these paramilitary groups. You know, they like to call themselves militia, which is a real misnomer. These, you know, violent, armed, uniformed men, I think, will feel empowered mm. that they can in, in, impose their will on the rest of us. So I think it would be a really dangerous thing to see them acquitted. Mm. And if there's a hung jury? Yeah, you know, if there's a hung jury, it's a little bit of a split, but that usually inures to the benefit of the defense. The prosecution can bring the case again. It usually takes some time for that. And then in the meantime, you know, the the case doesn't get any stronger. In fact, if anything, the defense usually does better the second time around because they've had the benefit of seeing all the Mm -hmm. evidence and hearing all the witnesses testify. So although technically the prosecution can bring it again, and maybe they would, you know, in the case of Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, uh, who was the 
the target of a plot to kidnap her by one of these militia groups. The first time around, there was a hung jury. And the prosecutors brought it again, and they got a conviction the second time around. So it's not uh, a loss, but it's definitely uh, a setback, I think, that would uh, not bode well if there's a hung jury. So I am uh, myself, as a former prosecutor and someone who cares deeply about the rule of law, I'm I'm rooting for a conviction here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's pretty scary for me, and I suspect for others in this audience listening right now, it'd be pretty scary um, for a not guilty verdict to be rendered. Um, because if we think that white supremacy is already a problem in this country, um, that to your point would empower them, it would embolden them, and I think we'd see white supremacist behavior on steroids if there's a if there's yeah. a not guilty verdict, Barbara. Yeah, you know, think back to some of those uh, uh, in, in injustices that we saw in the South with trials of members of the KKK, mm-hmm. you know, in the 50s and 60s and earlier, where, uh, you know, white men who lynched black men or otherwise engaged in violations of people's civil rights would be found either acquitted at trial or a hung jury at trial, and there'd be no accountability. And so those groups felt like they could act with impunity, that they couldn't be stopped. I think that rendering a justice here, uh, a verdict of guilty, sending them to prison, sends a message that this is not okay in America. We don't tolerate this kind of behavior in the year 2023. Yep. Speaking of lynchings, uh, who knew that Barbara would use that word? But speaking of those lynchings down south, in case uh, you didn't hear earlier uh, on our show today, uh, this was breaking news uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, Carolyn Bryant Donham, the woman at the center of the Emmett Till killing, uh, is dead at 88. Uh, we all know the story of Emmett Till, 14-year-old boy from Chicago visiting his family down south in Money, Mississippi, uh, is uh, lynched and murdered. Uh, and this white woman, Carolyn Bryant Donham, uh, essentially lied uh, about Emmett Till. And for 70 years, she was able to get away with that. Uh, last year, they found uh, the arrest warrant for her in some box in some basement uh, in some building <laughs> in Mississippi. Uh, that arrest warrant had never been served. And so there were all kinds of protesters going to the facility where she lived uh, in advanced age, uh, demanding that she be arrested. Uh, I had a guest on last hour suggested uh, that we would have felt better if she just served one day behind bars, even symbolically, just one day uh, behind bars for her role uh, in um, advancing a narrative that changed a couple times over the years, but ultimately a narrative that led to the lynching, the murder, the death of Emmett Till at the age of 14, uh, again, back in 1955. She has passed away today in Mississippi at the age of 88, having survived uh, uh, another 70 years, essentially. She lived another 70 years um, and was never held accountable for her role in that uh, in that lynching of young Emmett Till. Um, the sheriff, uh, law enforcement at that time, said, uh, that she was, uh, she had children and they didn't want to bother her. I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Barbara's laughing and, and so am I, and, and it'd be laughable if it weren't so serious. Uh, yeah, but the I'm fact, the absurdity, oh, exactly. Right? After the absurdity, the exactly. Lost his life and, uh, you know, they don't want to bother her because she has children. Exactly. You don't want to bother. She's a white woman with children. They don't want to bother. So she, I mean, literally for 70 years, the arrest warrant was never served. And now it never will be uh, because she has uh, passed away in Mississippi today at the age of 88. We were talking earlier uh, in this program, Barbara, which I can ask you about now, as a matter of fact, on a different. Um, let me connect these dots if I can. We were talking earlier about this uh, on the program, and one of our guests earlier used uh, the phrase uh, uh, that we live, uh, sadly, in a, in a nation where there is, for many people, a culture of impunity. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and it seems to me that obviously she's a perfect example of that. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not, uh, 
you know, it's 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 cue that it, it's true rather that that Donald Trump is a part of that. He he just he, he's he's gotten away with this for so long. We'll talk about the Mike Pence thing in a second. But what do you make of the fact that for so long, uh, Donald Trump has just gotten away with this as she did for seventy years? Yeah, you know, it's important to specify what we mean when we say this. But mm-hmm. you know, he has now been charged in uh, New York criminally. He has been uh, charged civilly by the Attorney General in New York for massive fraud. He is uh, on trial for a rape and for defamation, and he may soon find himself charged for uh, classified documents and for this attack on January 6th. So uh, depending on what this is, I I am hopeful that there will be accountability for him, because I agree with you that our system only works when it works for everybody and when we all perceive that it works for everybody. Uh, The words above our Supreme Court buildings say equal justice under law, Mm -hmm. and for for too long, for all of our history, really, that system has come up short. And so for those who have money for those who are in um, the majority race, the majority religion, the majority gender, uh, they have the power. And so we have seen those systems applied in unequal fashion. And so, you know, we'll never be perfect, but I think we need to constantly be working to move toward a more perfect union and toward that aspiration of equal justice under law. And some accountability for these wrongdoers, no matter how powerful they are, I think can get us a little bit closer. Yeah, well, she got away with it. Carolyn Bryant got away with it for 70 years. Um, the Proud Boys, uh, we will find out in the very near future whether or not they get away what they did on January the 6th as this grand jury, this federal grand jury, has now begun deliberations in the seditious conspiracy trial of the Proud Boys for their actions connected to uh, the January 6th insurrection. We'll see if they get away with it. And we will see, as Barbara said, uh, or intimated in, in the days and uh, months ahead, uh, maybe even years ahead, whether or not Donald Trump gets away with it. Uh, but for the moment, at least, um, uh, he has not gotten away with this. He has tried mightily uh, to block uh, and to stop um, his vice president, Mike Pence, uh, from testifying uh, in this special counsel's investigation. This latest order from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, likely will usher in, <clears throat> likely will usher in, excuse me, Pence's grand jury testimony uh, sooner rather than later. This is an unprecedented development, uh, Barbara. In modern presidential history, what do you make of this story that Mike Pence will now be testifying about his communications on that day that the Proud Boys were doing their thing with Donald Trump? Yeah, you know, under the law, this is absolutely the right result. We've had it resolved since the U.S. versus Nixon case that in the case of a grand jury investigation, that supersedes any interest in executive privilege. So it's the right answer legally. The only reason we've had any legal question about it is because Donald Trump has at every step of the way worked to delay, delay, delay. He may even appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court for further delay. But eventually, the answer is going to come back. Mike Pence is going to have to testify. And I think it's a critically important step for the prosecutor to take in his investigation about the January 6th events, because uh, Mike Pence was alone in a room with Donald Trump, and they said things. So you have to talk to him. Even if he doesn't tell you anything new, you have to lock him into his story so that a year from now, when the case goes to trial, you don't have Mike Pence coming in and testifying about some grand defense we've never heard of before and say, well, no one ever asked me about this before. So you have to get him under oath. You have to get him there in the grand jury. Maybe you find out some new facts you didn't know before that are either exonerating or incriminating against Trump. But no matter what they are, you just have to hear from him. And I will also say this, Tavis, I think this is probably about the last step you need to do in an investigation of Donald Trump, typically you work your way up the pyramid mm-hmm. from the very broad to the to the tip of the pyramid, and there's no one closer to Donald Trump than his vice president. And so I think that maybe Mark Meadows, who is also in this boat of 
resolving issues of executive privilege uh, because you want to have as much information as you can before you interview or question those people in the grand jury. So I think those are the last two pieces. And once those two are done, they will be ready to make a charging decision uh, in short order. So I'm hopeful that we see that, uh, you know, in the same time frame as the Fannie Willis indictment. Yep. Uh, and um, we know that Mark Meadows, of course, was the chief of staff at the White House at the time. Um, and uh, that's the name that uh, Barbara McQuaid invoked a moment ago. I think this is my exit question with just uh, a little less than two minutes to go. Um, you, you, um, you, your name uh, <laughs> uh, came a, a great deal more into our consciousness a couple of years ago when you wrote this. Uh, I don't even know what the, what the right word is to call it, but you wrote this piece. I'll call it a piece. You wrote this piece about the way the way way in which you saw that Donald Trump, in fact, could be held accountable, uh, again, in just a, a little less than two minutes, uh, based on what you wrote then, which you can tee up once again, if you so choose, based on what you wrote then, how do you see things turning out now? I think the case is even stronger now. I wrote that before we even saw the evidence of the January 6th committee, but it's really a simple theory. It's not about the incitement that happened on the ellipse, which brings with it some First Amendment concerns. It's really a crime of conspiracy to defraud the United States. That is lying about the fraud in the election for the purpose of interfering with the functioning of government, the peaceful transfer of presidential power. I think that theory still is, stands, and I think it's even stronger based on all the evidence that we've seen. So I'm hopeful that the prosecutor will see it the same way and file an indictment against Donald Trump sometime this summer. Robert McQuaid uh, is not just brilliant. She may be prophetic and prescient all at the same time <laughs> uh, because this piece that she wrote a while back, everybody was talking about it. That's the first time we had her on this program to unpack the piece that she had written. Uh, and it, it, it turns out that all these pieces are slowly starting to fall in place uh in in the the way that she predicted it perhaps should go and you hear her say now maybe the prosecutor will see it the same way she did and uh, we will start to uh, see some justice in this case and donald trump will not be like carolyn bryant uh getting away with it for 70 years and uh, we will again we'll see what happens with the proud boys in the days ahead but now you're updated on that particular case as the grand jury again is uh, in the midst of deliberations in the seditious conspiracy trial for members of the Proud Boys for their actions surrounding the January 6th Capitol riot and insurrection. Barbara, thanks for the update. We'll do it again somewhere down the road. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of the day. Okay, thanks. You too. Appreciate you. When we come forward, the CEO of Lindustry on KBLA Talk 1580.